for the quitters. Game quitters. Listen up, quitters. Game quitters. It's the Game Quitters Podcast with Camadere and Jason Wellwood. On today's show, straight from Tanzania, Africa, it's Camadere and Amber Valdez, our life purpose cheerleader. And now, he may be a little sunburnt and crispy, but he's still the king of game quitting. It's Camadere. Welcome everyone to the Game Course Podcast. I'm your host, Camadere, here with my good friend, Amber Valdez, the Life Purpose Cheerleader. I'm really excited about this episode. We're currently in Tanzania, Africa. We're in this makeshift studio in a bedroom, but I'm really excited about today's episode and we're also live streaming on Periscope. So where can people find this Periscope? Oh, they can go over to uh, Amber Valdez on Periscope. Awesome. So before I introduce who Amber is, I learned something very important and new about her today, which is that you have quite the ability to rap freestyle. (laughs) Yeah, when I was younger, I used to want to be a rapper. I was like a secret rapper. I always made a joke that if I was old enough in the 80s, um, that I would have been huge. I would have been like salt and Peppa's like biggest competition. So to give people context, we were taking a taxi uh, from the town back to our home here in Oringa, and there were five of us all scrunched in the back seat of the car, and Amber decided to just start rapping on Instagram. (laughs) So you can check out Amber at Life Purpose Cheerleader all over the interwebs. Uh, She's really amazing, and I'm excited to have Amber on today because she actually has a history with gaming. Mm-hmm. And you were actually worked in the gaming industry. Mm-hmm. So take us back. What was that all about? And, and when did that all begin? Well, it went back to Super Mario Brothers days when I had my Nintendo and I would sneak out in the middle of the night and literally play video games till like the wee hours in the morning or Mario in particular, um, Super Mario Brothers. So I always was, like, fascinated with video games. Um, But then fast forward to being an on-camera TV personality, I would do a lot of entertainment news and sports, um, but then I would also get booked a lot for gaming. And so I was a host, uh, had a show on Machinima. I don't know for those of you that say, used to be an online YouTube channel for gaming. Um, And also at Yahoo Games, I got to interview the Muppets for their, like, video game that came out. Um, So, yeah, I always would, you know, jam on Comic-Con. I was always a little bit of a nerd, like a gaming nerd, a comic nerd. Um, So I just really appreciate gamers, like, just their mentality and how smart they are. And and video gaming, games are hard. And I've always just really been fascinated by uh, people who have a real talent and knack for that. So So let's dive into that in a second. But give people a sense of what you do now. Okay, great. So for many years, as I just kind of shared, I was an NFL cheerleader. Then I was really um, committed to making a career in uh, TV. Um, so I was an entertainment news host. I used to interview celebrities on and off the red carpet, had award shows and press junkets, and also did my gaming circuit. Um, but then really realized that all that didn't matter. And I recognize only life worth living is really a life in service. And so for so long, uh, people would call me like the cheerleader for people's dreams, like, oh, Amber's your biggest fan. And, you know, I was just being called forth to be a life relationship and career coach. And so now I'm on a mission to inspire a million people to know they matter, they're worthy, and their purpose matters. Um, And I do that through the power of live stream, my best-selling book, my speaking engagements, and also as a life relationship and career coach to moms, to entrepreneurs, students, artists, anyone in between who really wants to find out um, who they are, uh, find out how to love themselves and own their worth because I really believe once you own your worth you can truly unapologetically give your gifts to the world so do you feel like gamers don't get a fair shake in in just society because gamers have a certain stigma right Mm -hmm. there's a certain stereotype of gamers yes yet you're someone who worked in the industry and you see yourself as a cheerleader and and I know from speaking with you that that you're such a fan of gamers and Mm -hmm. you you believe in them so much. Mm-hmm. And so do you feel like there's a disconnect there? Oh my gosh, 100%. I feel like they're super misunderstood. You know, I I think there's kind of some level of genius to individuals who can game. Like, um, it's hard. 
Like, I don't think that gaming's easy. Um, and I think it kind of gets a bad rap because I think people don't really understand the individual who loves gaming and who's good at gaming. And um, it's their ability to just really focus intently, which I think is a super powerful tool, but also just like their imagination and uh, to be so smart and to, to be able to problem solve. I mean, there's like so much that goes on in a game that's like you really got to like be tapped into so many different possibilities and experiences. And um, yeah, I definitely think they are very misunderstood because they're just so freaking smart. And I think a lot of the biggest geniuses in the world were super misunderstood. You know? Yeah. <laughs> One of the interesting things for me about gamers and, and just especially in the work around game quarters is that gaming fulfills such a sense of purpose, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Gaming is specifically designed for you to always know what to do next. You have to beat this boss, beat this level, get this weapon. And that gives you a very structured way of feeling a sense of purpose. You actually know why you need to wake up in the morning because you have to go and, and beat this game yeah. or, or level up. <laughs> Got stuff to do. But transferring that into life, mm. it's very easy to find that in gaming. But transferring that into your real life, into you know, different goals or dreams you have, maybe the vision you have for your for your life, that can be more difficult. Mm-hmm. And so I, I know that for you, there was obviously a, a very powerful transformation into living a life of service, mm-hmm. which you and I resonate so much on, and, and that's why we're here in Tanzania right now. How does someone tap into that in their own life? How do they find more of that sense of purpose, especially if they are a gamer? Well, what I think that gamers get to really recognize is that if you take, like, the hardest game you've ever played, and life is a game. Like, if you just start to look at life as a game, you start to realize that you're really freaking good at life. Because as a gamer, you have to be re- relentless. I mean, you have to keep going. I mean, I can't tell you how many, and I'm sure everyone can relate to this, but I'll use Super Mario Brothers because it's, like, one of the best games of all time. But you get addicted to breaking through for getting to that next goal. The l- level of rigor and commitment and intention it takes to get from one level next to do the same thing over and over and over until you get it right i feel like gamers just get to realize that they have a leg up on everyone in the world if they can just shift shift their perception to if life is a game you guys have the most practice at life as a game if you can just take that and go okay so what that girl doesn't like me next like let's keep going until i find that level that magic box whether that's your career or a friend or a trip or a job or a new home like you just get to realize that life's a game too so if anybody has practice at um, never giving up and keep going and finding a way to achieve and get your desired outcome at you guys. So I think that gamers get to give themselves a little bit more credit because although it is in a contained environment with you and your you know device, your computer or your TV or whatever you're gaming on, you get to realize that life kind of is a game too. And um, if you just focus on that, you can give yourself a little bit more credit that like you of all people know what it's like to not give up. One of the challenges that I hear time and time again, and we see especially in a lot of the research that's coming out around the impact that gaming is having or gaming addiction is having on on employment levels is that gaming is a safe place to experience failure. Mm. So in the game, you can fail and it's not a big deal. You just restart, respawn, try again, no big deal. Mm -hmm. But in life, you experience rejection and that stings. Mm. You apply for a job and don't get it and that discourages you from wanting to try again. Mm -hmm. So there's a difference in our perception of the experience of failure between the virtual world and quote unquote the real world. Mm -hmm. So that really speaks to resilience and the, the need to shift your perspective in those experiences when you're trying to transition from the virtual world to the real world, whether it's applying for a job, approaching a girl, approaching a guy, trying to have a relationship, just trying to really reach that next level in your life. And so for you, what, what do you see are, are some of the, the tools or, or ways that someone can kind of develop that perspective, develop that resilience to really be able to go after their goals and dreams without feeling like failure automatically discourages them and they lose motivation and they feel depressed and they don't want to try again? Mm. That's a really powerful question. And I want to take that back to just, I think the key word here is perception. So 
again, I'm sure there's been, and if we can all go back to like the first game we played, it probably didn't feel good to lose. It probably didn't feel good to not get the princess. It probably didn't feel good to like not do Super Mario Brothers all with one life. Like that was like our game, right? We wanted to like do it the whole way through. You get to realize that you could make up a story that you suck. You can make up a story that you're a crummy gamer. You could make up the story that I'm done with video gaming and you could throw your, you know, device out the door. You could break your console, and I'm sure some people do. And that's a choice. But for gamers, they most of them choose to go back in. And so it's the story they're making up about failing that level, which is the same sort of story they could choose to make up in real life if that girl denied them or they didn't get their job. So you just practiced the feeling of failure in gaming. And that's why it's no biggie to you now. It's just practice. That's why you became good at gaming, because you practiced. So just practice recognizing that when you first started gaming, you weren't awesome. Well, maybe somebody was. But you still failed. You still lost a level. It still stung, especially if you're playing with multiple people. You know, your ego could, you know, they can talk smack to you during the game and you could feel like a horrible person. Or you can say, okay, I'm going to shake it off and try again. Just because the story you're making up is it's not real and it's safe to fail, it's really kind of always safe to fail because no monster is going to come and, like, eat you and you're not going to burn up and your, like, race car is not going to explode and you're not going to get shot by an AK-47 in the real world just because if you fail a mission. And so if you really shift that perception, it's perception, it's even probably safer to fail in real life than it is to fail in gaming because the failure in gaming is pretty intense right if you choose to make up the story that that's real life you know and and i think that so much of this has to do with allowing our ego to go yes and and just remembering that especially just as you said when when you start playing a game the learning curve sometimes can be steep and it's from you trying again and trying again and trying again and also the different ways that you learn to be better at games you know there's a video for me that i have on youtube called what if gaming is the only thing that you're good at and i list out the different things that i personally did and i believe others do to get good at games you play a lot you also play with intention yes how can i improve you watch other people play you read strategies. You connect with mentors. Maybe you even hire a coach. I know I hired a coach. What? Oh, my God. And that's amazing. You, you do all these different things. You review your games to improve at the game. Wow. But do you do that in life, right? Do you practice? Do you not just practice for amount of time, but also quality time, really intentional time? Do you surround yourself by other people who are on the same journey as you? Do you connect with mentors and coaches? Do you review? Do you reflect? Do you journal and, and see, okay, I applied for that job and you know maybe it didn't work out. What could I do better next time? Mm-hmm. Do you review your play? And if you take those same ways, yes. not good at the game, and apply it to anything else in life, you will improve at that as well. It's just viewing that as a transfer of skills, right? So it's all about yes. are you channeling your talents for what I describe as good or for evil? Are you channeling your talents to achieve your dreams and pursue your goals and have a vision for your life or to just self-sabotage mm-hmm. and to just check out and live with apathy? Mm-hmm. So you can improve. And I think that's one of the most amazing things that, that you can really take away from your gaming time is is how you can connect to your real life. I know that Right now, we're in Tanzania, mm-hmm. and we're here because we both value service. Mm-hmm. I know that fundraising for this trip, you and I both had this conversation <laughs> where this was about a month ago, and and we were talking, and, and so just for context for everyone listening, we're here with an organization called EPIC, which stands for Everyday People Initiating Change. You can go to epicfellowship.com and learn more details about that. But one of the stipulations that I believe in for this trip is fundraising. Mm -hmm. And so you have to raise around $3,000 US dollars to come on this trip, you know, plus a flight, Mm -hmm. which can be between $1,000 and $2,000. Or three in my instance. (laughs) Or or three. (laughs) And that is super challenging, or Mm -hmm. can be. Mm -hmm. So we were having this conversation where we were both concerned and, and nervous about the fact that maybe fundraising wasn't going well or or that we had to do it and that's super uncomfortable it brings up a lot mm-hmm. yet what i said on the phone was remember the kids mm-hmm. and it's not about us and that we're going 
to be there. We're going to succeed. And when we're there with the kids, we're going to be able to have this moment where we look at each other and say, yo, we did it. Yes. Right? And when I saw you at the hotel in Dar es Salaam, gave you a hug right away, and it was, yo, we did it. We're here. So there was a certain amount of resilience. There was a certain amount of effort, obviously, and having to face rejection and getting turned down for donations, all of it. Tell us about what that experience was like for you, and and then I'll kind of share for me. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up, because that's the power of leaning in to a friend uh, when you're experiencing contrast or you're experiencing feeling not good. So contrast is, or not ideal, right? So uncomfortable when you're experiencing discomfort. So yeah, you know, Cam and I were up against it. I mean, I was stretching myself in my business, uh, leading a mastermind of 12 individuals that was wrapping up a three-month, getting ready to launch an in-person workshop, getting in to launch another four-week boot camp experience, and really realizing that I hadn't raised any money because I had my story of I'm slammed all day long, and being up against the story of maybe I just don't go. Maybe it's not the right time. And all those thoughts, those sabotaging thoughts. So a sabotaging thought is anything that's distracting you from you keeping your word. All right. And integrity is something that's very powerful for me. Keeping your word. If you don't have your word, you have nothing. And Cam and I both, I believe, had such a powerful experience last year that we were like, we are coming back. We get to see those kids. Um, But when life happens, right, and how am I going to take three weeks off and not make money and do 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 your ego pops in and wants to trick you into believing it's not a good time for me. Because I feel discomfort, that must mean I must quit or run or avoid. So for me, the fear of rejection, you know, getting on live stream, not getting any, you know, getting any donations, calling my millionaire friends, billionaire friends, not getting any responses, sending out multiple voice notes explaining what I was up to and people not even writing me back. And that every time stung a little. And I could make up the story that, oh, they rejected me. I'm a loser. I suck. Why don't they like me? Or I could say, yes, next. And realizing, practicing what I preach, one of the four agreements, don't take anything personally. Nothing anyone ever does, doesn't do, says, or doesn't say ever has anything to do with us. Ever. And if you're making up a story that it does, that's your ego doing the talking for you and your ego wants to sabotage you. So... It was just getting in action. And I remember you were like, we're like, we just need to make the first phone call. We just need to send the first email. We just need to do the first live stream. And once you get that momentum going, I remember after I got my first donation of like 25 bucks or 40 bucks, I was like, okay, well, now I'm going, right? And it's almost like I was giving myself a back door. If I don't try to make money, then I don't have to face rejection. Then I have an excuse not to go. Right. And so it was almost like my ego was so sneaky and trying to sabotage us, sabotage myself, because if I didn't begin, then I can get the money and then I couldn't go. But I'll tell you what, I mean, it doesn't feel good when people say no to you and it doesn't feel good when people turn you down. And that's the part about being a human and recognizing it doesn't matter. And it's okay. It's okay for people not to say yes to you. I mean, you even got rejected by your grandma. I mean, that's gnarly. I mean, none of my family even gave me money except for like my little niece gave me 20 bucks. But, you know, again, not give me money, gave this experience money. And it was a story I was making up about people. It was like a slippery slope of people that said no, but they're willing to go, you know, spend whatever on whatever, but they won't give me five bucks, which everybody can afford five bucks. You know what I mean? So you guys might be hearing, um, there's a mosque <laughs> next door, and they're singing their, their evening prayers. So if you hear that, this is uh, welcome to a, a different country that has a different culture, and this is all part of the experience, so I'm, I'm happy to br- be bringing you into that. And yeah, as, as you just said, you know, last year, my grandma turned me down. <laughs> yeah. That was, you know, one of the people who I really thought for sure would donate mm-hmm. to a campaign like this, you know, she's Catholic and this is almost like a mission trip in some ways mm-hmm. you know it's not about us we're here to truly serve and, and to, to really bring clean water to a village that actually desperately needs it and I think when, when you haven't experienced something like this it's very easy to think you know the pictures are photoshopped or you know the reality of them not having clean water 
isn't real and it, it's hard to truly mm -hmm. grasp the reality of it. And I can just say from being here for a second time and just yesterday we did the water walk where, you know, this village, their current source of water was a shallow hole in the grass and dirt. And it was a 15 minute walk without a 50 pound water bucket on your head from school. You know, there's serious death due to waterborne illnesses. Kids get raped on the walk out there in the evening. Like this is a very real situation and, and it's far greater than, than people recognize. And at the same time, if you haven't been here, it's really hard to truly mm -hmm. grasp the reality of it. But getting turned down by my grandma was definitely a hit to my ego. Mm -hmm. It, it kind of hurt. But it always comes back to what's your goal? What's your focus? How committed are you? Mm -hmm. And are you willing to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes. to get there? And last yeah. year, my commitment was I will call 300 people. Mm -hmm. I will call 400 people. I will call as many people as I have to. I will go through my entire Facebook friends mm -hmm. and call and and ask for support because I truly believe that this matters. This year was a bit of a different story. I was going through a lot. First of all, I was going through a lot of emotional, just um, emotion generally. Mm -hmm. I was going through a lot. And I also had game quitters, which, you know, there's a lot of work that, that game quitters takes. It, I work at this full time and, and more than full time. I also had, you know, fundraising for Tanzania finding money for a flight, which was $2,000, amongst everything else, just trying to live my life. So I, I didn't really have the capacity mm -hmm. to truly spend all the time that I spent last year yes, totally. on this process. But my commitment to succeeding in it was still 100%, and I was willing to do whatever it took. And part of that for me was just being honest about what I could and could not contribute. So this year I sent more emails, I posted more videos, and I just did what I could with the time and energy yes. I had and trusted that it would all work out. Yes. And I remember when I posted the announcement video, I released it late at night and kind of went to sleep and I woke up and I think I had raised $80. And that was a lot lower than I thought that I would raise from the right. initial video. I think last year, you know, I had raised maybe a thousand dollars, you know, day one. It was Dang. really good. This year it was like eighty bucks, and I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> but it was trusting and sticking with it, and yes. refusing to settle, and just doing whatever it took, doing the work to make sure that it was a success. The point I want to make with all of this is that we always have a choice of how we respond to these circumstances. We can create a story. We're not good enough. People don't like us. People don't care about this. Mm -hmm. We can experience all that rejection. We can have all these emotions come up. And all of that is fine. Like, that's all part of the experience. Mm -hmm. But how we respond to it and whether or not you're truly committed to what you're trying to achieve, that's what's, what's, what it's all going to come down to anyways. Mm -hmm. And so for me, what I want to kind of encourage everyone with is all these emotions coming up and, and all these stories you're creating there are opportunities for you to reflect and really look at what's triggering you mm -hmm. and where you're at and where your opportunity to grow is. Mm -hmm. And even for both of us this year, it wasn't super easy. There were challenges. And that was everything that we had to go through in order to move forward and transform and grow. Even beyond the experience of being here with these kids, which you know is so amazing and, and truly just helps my soul. Yes fundraising and going through that experience there's so much growth in that as oh well. my gosh and so i know you're a big fan of the saying it's all perfect yeah and everything is perfect and i truly believe especially in this context everything was perfect yeah it always is and i love what you said it's like when you have intention you have commitment you become unstoppable and listen i had to call people two or three times i mean people that said yeah yeah yeah, i'll donate i'll donate i'll donate and i didn't see a donation like i had to be that annoying bugaboo but i also had to recognize that has nothing to do with me and if i really want to be the type of person who preaches to my clients that you've got to be unstoppable you get to be relentless and you get to get your ego out of the equation um you calling multiple times doesn't matter because you are committed to doing whatever it takes. And I love that. And I think that 
it's interesting. I was like, oh God, no wonder why I was avoiding the fundraising because all these feelings come up again. I have to be that little girl on the playground that's getting rejected from the boy or the friends playing with me and all your old wounds come up through an opportunity of getting outside of yourself and doing something for someone else. And so I think there's nothing more powerful, you guys. If you've never raised funds for something other than yourself, um, I invite you and <laughs> encourage you to do it because the amount of growth that's possible is mind-blowing. And the difference between the people that succeed in life and the people that don't are the people that avoid discomfort. And there was nothing comfortable about fundraising. I don't think there'll ever be anything comfortable about live streaming like crazy, posting photos, feeling like you're begging, blowing up people's phones, sending text messages. But there's so much growth possible. Like you said, you start to become a person that doesn't care what people think and you're more committed to your vision and you release the stories that you're making up about people when they donate, when they don't donate and really just loving people from where they're at and just being like, great and next, great and next. And we can look at all some of our greatest leaders of all time. I mean, there's nothing comfortable about Martin Luther King or Steve Jobs or um, Bill Gates or anyone that had like a huge vision there's nothing comfortable about being rejected and people not getting it. Um, but it's the people that choose to just keep their eye on the prize that succeed. And you and I both had every reason not to come. And that's why I'm so proud of us because we just said, no, we're going. And I dreamt, like you said, I shared with you, I dreamt about those kids three nights in a row. I was like, okay, I'm going, I'm going. And I'm really glad that we did. But yeah. So you've talked a lot about stories and the stories that we create which really speaks to awareness, mm -hmm. right? If you're not aware of the story you're creating, your essentially behavior is going to be influenced by this story and you don't even know about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Right? And, and so one of the very beginning steps of personal development, transformation, really growing and, and reaching new levels in your life and getting more results and, and truly living the life that you want comes down to awareness and, and the awareness of what are these stories that are impacting and influencing your behavior. How do you identify what those stories are? Oh, wow. Well, a couple good books. Um, the Four Agreements is great. Um, I do my A lot of my leadership and my training is around emotional intelligence um, and being emotionally intelligent to realize just because you think it, guys, doesn't believe it mean it's true. And our brain plays tricks on us all the time. And our brain, we are little robots collecting data. Um, pretty much we get coded by... You know, gamers get coded by, or games get coded by video game creators and coders and Facebook creators. And they basically, the world, society, and parents code you the way they want you to act and the way they want you to believe. And just like how a video game works, because a coder said that that's the way the game works. And so if you start to recognize that you are a little robot who has been coded based on your experiences, your pain, um, where all that has happened to you up until this point in your life and it's just what happened it doesn't mean it's true and so stories we make up is there's fact and then there's a story so a fact would be the fact is cam and i are recording a podcast right now okay there's a million stories we could make up about that experience. Oh, it's going to be hard. Oh, no one's going to listen. Or, oh, this is stupid. The lighting or, isn't bad. We're sitting in between two bunk beds in a home in a ringa that the power went out last night. Like, there's all these stories we can make up around the actual fact. And so if you get your heart broken or you don't get a job, you can make up the story that I'm not a good guy or I'm a horrible person and I don't have enough qualifications. I give up. No one said that, but so you can see the difference in the context around story and fact. And humans are meaning-making machines. We make mean that our dad left us, that we aren't a good kid, and we're not worthy of anything. Or someone broke up with us. We're not lovable. We're not hot enough. We're not this enough. We're not that enough. Those are all just stories that the, the human mind and the ego makes up to make us, to hold us down and keep us small. And so the ego is just really trying to self-sabotage you at all times. And so um, the stories we make up about experiences are what creates uh, happiness, joy, and success or holds us and keeps us stuck. So I think a good starting point if you want to start to work on yourself is what's the story I'm making up about this right now? Okay, so someone didn't call me back. There's a million reasons why someone didn't call you back. 
they were in the shower or didn't answer your call. They were in the shower. They didn't get the text. Their phone broke. They got broken up with. Their grandma died. They lost their job. Their dog ran away. Like, their kid peed their pants. I don't know, right? But there's, like, all these stories that you can make up around, they didn't call me back. You know, actually recognizing that they're just a human doing the best they can. So... In any moment, you can say, what's the story I'm making up about this experience? Is it really true? Are all women, do all women suck? You know, like, what am I being a drama king or a drama queen? Like, what is the story I'm making up about this? Is it serving me? Right? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It's really just what you think. You have one life. It's you. And um, I think we get so caught up in the story instead of just like, they just didn't call you back, dude. They're not bad. They're not wrong. That's just what is so. So we have two options. We can never call them again because they didn't call us back. Or we can just give them an opportunity to maybe be a human and be like, hey, I gave you a phone call. Um, you know, and this happens a lot with people in business. Well, I called that person and they never call me back. Okay, did you call again? No. Well, they didn't return my call. Well, okay. Like, can you be compassionate? That So... Um, just invite you guys. What's the story I'm making up about this? And is it serving me? And what responsibility can I take for this in this moment? So taking responsibility is a big part about being self-aware. Um, and you can either be the victim or you can be responsible, response-able. And you can realize that you're the source of everything. Um, but that's a whole other conversation. But Journaling is a really good way to do this. So yeah. if you want to journal, which I highly encourage you to do, especially if you haven't done the 90-day detox yet, go to gamequiz.com. Click on forum, start a journal, journaling and just writing. I mean, you can do it privately as well, but it's such a good way for you to be able to reflect on where you're at, what thoughts you're having, what emotions are coming up, what experiences are you having? And then you can ask yourself a really good question, which is why? Or is this serving me? Or what's underneath this? Mm -hmm. And as you dig into that more, you start to uncover what really needs to be looked at. And it all comes back to ego. Oh, yeah. And especially, you know, for all, all you gamers out there, I see a pattern with gamers, and I certainly experienced this myself, which was I knew I had all this potential, and I felt smart, I felt capable, I felt talented, and none of that was reflected in my life. Mm. And it's because it was all in my head. I wouldn't actually put myself out there to even try and attempt a goal or, or attempt a dream I had because if I tried and I failed, that meant that I wasn't good enough or that meant that all this potential and all this capability, all this talent I believed I had very strongly, maybe it wasn't true. Mm. Again, all of that's a story. Mm -hmm. And my life shifted when I had a very honest look at myself and I said, you know what? It's not about my ego. It's not about whether or I can or I can't. It's about... Will I try and grow and start where I am today and try tomorrow and take it one day at a time and just keep growing and growing and growing and growing? And I believe if I do that, I will get there. Just like in gaming. Just like in gaming. And you're reading a book, The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson, yeah. which I'm a big fan of, which really helped to hit that point home. One day at a time, small habits compound over time and the mm -hmm. big results. So. If you're out there and you feel like you're not taking action, you're procrastinating, you're just watching streams, you're still gaming, even though you want to quit, ultimately really have an honest conversation with yourself. Is it just about protecting your ego? Is it just about you protecting this sense of talent and potential that you feel like you have and you feel very strongly, but you're not actually doing it? You're not actually having that reflected in your life. Mm -hmm just because you want to protect yourself mm -hmm. and ultimately none of it really matters mm -mm. because no one actually really cares go for it try work at it one day at a time and you'll be blown away a year from now two years from now three years from now five years from now ten years from now what's truly possible so we're here in tanzania we were here last year mm -hmm. what's the experience been like for you this year this year. Um, well, just have, what I want to speak to that really quick before we move to that, what came really alive for me in that moment is it would be just like saying I'm not going to play the game because I probably won't master it. I might as well not even give the game a shot because I probably won't finish it anyway and I probably won't pass the final level. So I might as well just not try. You would all think that is absolutely ridiculous, right? And you don't know if you like a game until you try it. Maybe you don't like Call of Duty. Maybe you don't like World of Warcraft. But 
there's a bazillion games out there, just like there's a bazillion women, there's a bazillion opportunities, there's a bazillion jobs, you're not going to know if you like them until you give them a shot, just like you're not going to know if you really dig a game until you give it a try. So you just get to kind of try and apply the same sort of awareness you have in gaming into your life, and you will be unstoppable. Did you guys don't realize how much practice you have at resilience and like breaking through fear and breaking through, you know, not making failure mean anything, you know, or maybe you do one day and you throw your game away. You say, I'm never going to do that again. And then you come back again. That's how life goes. Don't think that when you go out into the world, you're always going to pass the level. You know, I was just being in the first day we got here, me and Emily, the other gal that's here with us, we decided to go for uh, a walk and we came to this rock um, and it, we really wanted to climb it, and we couldn't seem to get the right footing. We struggled with it. We we tried a few different things, and 20 minutes in, we're like, ah, forget it, right? We're not going to get up. Like, just surrender, let go. And we could have walked home and said, forget it, we're done. Like, let's just go back home. But we saw another rock, like not too far away, and we hiked over there, and we climbed up, and it was even a taller rock, and the view was even more epic, and. I shot a video up there. We meditated up there. And it, and what I realized was like what a perfect parody or parallel for life, like awareness for life is that you're going to sometimes get to rocks that suck and you can't find your footing and you waste a ton of time or do you? You spend a lot of time trying to get up this rock where you think it's going to be this awesome rock that's going to be the best view of the whole entire city and it's going to be awesome. But what you realize is that you're actually being protected and your, the universe is saving you an opportunity, preparing an opportunity for you to find an even better rock that's a lot less resistant to climb, super easy, really kind of, and then you get up and the, the view is even more magnificent than what imagined. So if you really recognize that that rock was just, you were settling on that rock. And so we had to go through that 20 minutes of frustration and overwhelm and our legs hurt and our hands were all messed up and to get us to this new rock. And so... You know, in Tanzania and everywhere we go, there are these beautiful opportunities for reflection that you're going to find your rock. And the rocks you're supposed to get up, you will. And the rocks you're not supposed to get up, you won't. And those are the beautiful detours leading you to the right rock. And those are necessary. But Emily and I could have made up a story that we sucked and we shouldn't try and climb any more rocks. But we said, no, it's just maybe we'll go find a different one. And I just want to invite you guys to take that on and just really realize, like, not every rock's going to be a rock. Not every job, not every girl, not every home, not every career path, not every town you live in is going to be your rock. But if you continue venturing on and giving each rock a try, you're going to find one that really fits for you. And is and all those prepared us to get up to that top one. I needed that experience um, to take a look at which ones are easy and flow and which ones not supposed to get up. So Tanzania has been, I feel like we've been here forever. I got to go visit gorillas before we came, which was pretty incredible, which is a big fear. But also, like, I never thought that that would actually happen, that I would hike the jungle of Uganda. Like, sounds like this crazy movie. But I did it, and that was pretty epic to start that out with, like, breaking through. Um, being, like, five or six feet from 500-pound gorillas was, like, incredible. And they were so gentle and kind and cool and peaceful and you know now being here in Oringa like definitely Cam and I were talking about like my biggest fear last year was like squatting and like these like toilets that aren't like that don't have like actual toilets it's just a hole there isn't it's a tiled hole yeah it's a tiled (laughs) hole it's not an actual toilet yeah not a toilet seat so I used to have anxiety about going to the bathroom last year in the middle of the night especially and I would want to wait till we got to this cool Nima cafe to go to the bathroom and like these villages are like literally squatting in like a cement hole in the ground and ours is like a prop looks like a little toilet but a hole but it's funny that like this year I'm like whatever but like it doesn't phase me this year um sleeping in a net doesn't phase me in the bunk beds this year eating greens and beans and and rice this year didn't really phase me um but last year I was like oh my god I have to eat the same thing every day so it just goes to show practice trying something new it's it's almost like oh been there done that like but it takes you getting uncomfortable um i mean god there's nothing comfortable about 35 hours like on a plane in 10 hour did you feel like the van ride this year was like easier than last definitely and part of that was last year i was in the very back and 
we were all scared to open the windows because we, we were we, we didn't want to have mosquitoes come in. Oh and my goddess, I we was, were scared for the stupid. Oh my I was god, all Ellie got it. And none of the AC was hitting me, and I was so hot. You're sweating. And ten hour van and, ride, guys. Yeah, and the back seat is like higher, and so, I mean, it was super uncomfortable. The one highlight though, of last year's drive was I was able to stream the three-hour second presidential debate <laughs> between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And I remember just thinking, like, I managed to pass three hours of that long-ass drive with that debate. So that was... <laughs> but this year, it was definitely... I feel like it was it was easier and it, was, it felt longer. But ultimately, every time I travel, and we talked about this yesterday... I just, I'm at a point now where I've traveled so much that travel like beats entitlement out of you. Right? Right? Like last year or mm. or this year, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, you know, it's almost like you had an entitlement that there should be a toilet bowl. Yes. A toilet to sit on. And there isn't. Even what we have as a quote unquote toilet here compared to what the villages oh, have, yeah. it's such a big difference. Yes. But for them, that's just what they have. Yeah. And so don't think travel twice. always beats entitlement out of you because, yeah, this year it was, I remember I had a 14-hour flight from Dubai to, or, or from New York to Dubai. And I was really hoping to have a full row, four seats. You so and I me could both, brother. Down. You and me both. And I got on the plane and I was the only person in the entire plane that had a full row. Stop. So... As the, so I, I knew that there was no way I was going to get a full row because someone would know this an, a free aisle seat and take it. Mm-hmm. And this one guy did. And I was actually kind of stoked because I was like, okay, we have four seats. seats. Him on one side, me on the other. So we both have get an two. extra seat. And that compared to us having four people there, way better. Right. And just, like, literally the last people to get on the plane, him and I are looking at each other like, yo, we yeah, got this. Yeah. The very last people to get on the plane, sat there. A family of three, sat there. All of them sat down, and the guy had to go to his own seat. No. And all of a sudden, I went from having moments away from having <laughs> two, two or three seats to myself to sleep and lay down. Yes. To now being completely like crammed, crammed with four people in this room, <sighs> and I was upset for about a split second, and then I remembered. All right, cool. This is travel. This is all part of it. It just is what it is. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about travel is is travel beats entitlement out of you. It really makes you kind of not be such a diva. And I definitely <laughs> yes. in, in my life have, have been a bit of that. So, I mean, the bus ride is what it is. But I'm also stoked that this year we decided to fly Back in yeah, we get to fly back. An hour and a half on a plane versus a ten-hour bus ride for hundred and eighty dollars. That seems like a good decision. Yes. So, I mean, travel. I I can't encourage everyone enough to travel because I I just think it's one of the best tools of personal development. It's one of the best ways to learn more about yourself, and it's one of the best ways for you to just become a bit more chill about shit that doesn't really matter. Yes. Like whether or not you have a couple seats to lay down, or whether or not it's a ten-hour bus ride. Like none of those things really matter mm-hmm. that much. No. But we spend so much of our time and energy focusing on shit like that that does not matter at all. Someone cut us off on the road. I have to wake up early. My, the exact food I want isn't available or whatever. It's like none of it matters. Mm-mm. And when we focus our energy on the things that do matter, it's amazing what we can accomplish. It's amazing what we can experience. So, I mean, the bus ride is what it is. I know yesterday you had a powerful experience at this new village that we we went to. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Yeah, yesterday was incredible. Um, we were greeted by, this was a village that doesn't have water, and we were greeted by, I don't know, 15 women dancing, singing, hugging us, kissing us. Like you said, I think that hugging wasn't even an o- not an option. They were so happy. Um, they were singing for us, like put on the show. Um, And then we were brought into the village and were basically walked into an assembly of 500 students dressed to the best of they could um, and all sang and clapped and held space for us and acknowledged us. And 
I mean, I didn't think it would be possible to witness a, the village with more gratitude and love. Um, it was a very emotional time. That walk for water was much longer than our walk for water last year. The village, uh, the amount of love and gratitude that they exuded from every cell of their body. Um, they sang a song called Asante, Asante, Sana, Asante, 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 Sana. It means thank you very much. Literally, guys, they sang this for hours and hours and hours and hours. And to be around people that, A, have never probably seen foreigners or white people in their life, they call Wanzu, Wazugu, Wanzugu, Wanzugu. Um, and we're committed to changing that story into Rafiki, which means friends. Um, many of those people have never gotten out of this town, never gotten out of that village. Um, you guys got to know that these villages are on like miles and miles of the most bumpiest, rockiest roads you've ever been on in your life. Uh, most people in that town, nobody in that town owns a car um, or village and no probably maybe two or three maybe have a bike. Um, so you're literally dealing with these villages that never make it to the main town and may never get out of that village their whole life. So having foreigners, strangers come into their village to bring them the gift of water, I mean, you've never witnessed the amount of gratitude. I mean, we were surrounded by 300 kids were like grabbing us and we we're jumping up and down and they're singing and giggling and laughing. And um, it's pretty powerful to witness, um, you know, our first world problems go away immediately when you look and see they have no power they have no running water they don't have clean water they have dirty feces infested water that's getting their kids sick killing them and also like you said uh getting their children raped on the way to go get water in the middle of the night um two to six hours a day is spent fetching water guys and you know they don't have time to do anything else um they gave us eggs. They gave us a thousand shillings, which is probably equivalent to one U.S. dollar, which is more than any of them could afford, um, because they know the gift we're giving them is time. We're giving them the gift of time, health, life, um, and they they were blown away. They like the the oldest grandma was like, I didn't think I would ever see this in my lifetime. Like they've been drilling a well for like nine years, like this like hand thing where they've been rotating. All the men have been rotating and digging a little bit by little and lifting dirt out like a wooden drill. They've been digging it for nine years and like still haven't even gotten to like obviously. Um, so it really just puts things into perspective that we got nothing to complain about. There's really nothing for us to be sad and depressed about. Um, because not one of us is walking hours a day fetching dirty water. You know, we just turn on our faucet and turn on our light and turn on our video games. It's like, that's not their experience, but they are the most happiest people in the world with no clean water, no food, no electricity. So we can learn a lot from our brothers and sisters here in Tanzania because they get it. They get the gift of love and family and song and appreciation. Um, it's almost awesome to witness the less you have, the more you have. It's really remarkable, yeah. and, and it's the thing that stands out to me time and time again, and certainly last year was just, you know, from a checklist standpoint, these people have very little, like, one pair of clothes, the clothes are ripped, mm -hmm. super dirty. Not even shoes, some I of mean, them. Some of them don't even have shoes, no clean water, like, no walls. Like, they have, like, sticks as walls and sticks as roofs. They don't have floor. Like, they don't carpet or tile or... Like, they, re they, they really, truly ooh. have very, very little, yet they're the happiest, most <laughs> joyful, yeah. fun... And they want to feed you. ...grateful people I have ever met in my entire life. And that's powerful, and, and it's something that, you know... I describe as, as just good for my soul and, mm -hmm. and it reminds me of you know what's important and that's community and relationships and you know choosing joy and and choosing to play and and sing and be ha dance and be happy exactly and you know it, it's so powerful and, and so you know for any of you who feel inspired or feel called to have an experience like this go to epicfellowshipprogram.com and we'd love to have you come join us. Uh, it's something that I, I fully support. I, I love to support. And I, I'll be here next year. I'll be here every year. And I know I'm sure you'll be here next year. Um, this is something that, that I'm truly committed to and, and very excited about. Potentially next year bringing out a Game Quitters group. 
for this experience with me. Uh, so if you're interested in that, send me an email, cam at gamequiz.com, and I'll put you on the list. It's something that this trip is no joke. It involves a lot. You know, <laughs> I traveled for over 24 hours of flying time itself. You know, two days, no toilets, you know, holes in the ground. <laughs> it's intense. You're in new cultures, new experiences, and there's so much opportunity for growth mm-hmm. in that. And, and I can't encourage that enough. So we're going to wrap up here soon, but we're going to move a, a quick little different direction. So let me give some context. Recently, uh, two days ago, a member of our community on the forum, <sighs> who's a teenager, talked about how he was feeling suicidal. And this is, this is a member who's been in our community for quite a while. He's from the UK. And he was talking about it, and you know, a bunch of people responded. And then last night, he shared a story about how he got very close to trying, and, and it got close to the point of, you know, literally, you know, Googling how to, standing on a chair, you know, really having that, that very real conversation with himself. And I know that, you know, I, I was very shaken up about this. Uh, suicide is something that is very real for me. It, it's been something I've struggled with a lot throughout my entire life. Um, you know, it, it's been some of the, the moments in my life that have, have really turned things around for me are, are those dark moments where I, I really get to that place. And depression is very real for me. And I know for so many people in our community, that's real. And so I, I was here and I was sharing, you know, leaning on the support of my friends here about that experience. And I know that for you, that was something that, that you felt very touched by and, and something that that you felt very called to, to share a message for that person. And so what would you like to say? I would like to say that I get it and I've been there and I think I shared with you, Cam, that I was in that place before. I went through a very, very bad breakup um, when I was in my early 20s and I was prescribed Xanax because my anxiety was so severe and I had a day where I was like, today's the day. Today's the day I'm going to take them all. And um, the pain was so bad, I just didn't feel like there was any other way out. And, um, you know, this week, uh, we also lost, lost Chester from Lincoln Park. So, you know, the com- I, I immediately started crying when I found out just because Chester, you know, his music was very a healthy way for me to release my anger and my pain from my abuse as a child from my mother and just that space. And so, you know... Anytime I hear anyone in that space, it takes me back to how I felt. It takes me back how lost and scared and alone I felt, and um, and it breaks my heart. And um, what I want to share with anyone who's ever felt that way, I want to invite you to think about the women and the children and the people here in Tanzania. The amount of physical, mental, and emotional pain and suffering that they experience on a daily basis is nothing compared to what you're going through. And it is in those moments, Cam, that you get to reach out. And in that moment, when I was considering taking that whole bottle, when I chose to take that whole bottle, my phone rang off the hook. And, you know, I think you've expressed in those moments when you feel that way, you get to call your friends, you get to write on the blog, you get to email Cam, you can email me at lifepurposecheerleader at gmail. Um, you get to know that there's nothing more precious in life. There's no reason for you to take it. And that is your opportunity to realize that you have a opportunity to grow immensely in the darkest moments. Those are the moments that shape us. Those are the moments that we get to realize why we came on this planet and realize that there's someone out there right now praying, wishing, and hoping for one more day. There's someone right now wishing and hoping that they had a home, that they had friends, that they had hands, arms, feet. Uh, there's people dying of cancer. There's children in any moment. Like your gift of life is a gift and you came on this planet to do big things. And um, it's okay to feel pain. It's okay to feel suffering. And it's okay, but you get to know it's temporary um, and it's a choice. And in that moment, it might not feel like there's any way out, um, but you get to know that you came on the planet to do something special. 
And it is that moment that might actually inspire other people to hold on to one more day. And so I just want to remind you, you're not alone and life is hard when you do it alone. And that's why you have the game quitters and you have the blogs and there are coaches and people out there in the world that want to help you. Um, and after you break through your shit, you'll be able to support someone else. And that's why, you know, I'm very open about, you know, me wanting to commit suicide because I get it. And anytime I, f I hear that, it we're all alike. We all just want to be loved. We all just want to feel safe. We all just want to feel supported. And when we don't, um, it can be really scary. And it's okay to feel that way. It's just not okay to stay there. Um, and you don't get to take your life on my watch. And you don't get to take your life on Cam's watch either or anybody in the Game Quitters community. Um, because uh, you came here to do big things. And uh, we get to support you and love on you so you can get past that. So you can came, come here to do what you what you came here to do and it can be a part of your story one day um and it's gonna be okay you know yeah it it, it really is and it's okay to feel the pain you're feeling it's okay to to not be okay yes it's and okay to not be okay it's okay to ask for help and you know something i i really feel called to say is is that asking for help is not a weakness no Asking power. for help is a strength. It, it's a power. And the reason that I can prove that is because most people are unable to ask for help. And so most people don't feel strong enough to be able to ask for help. And asking for help involves letting your ego go, which has been a big theme of this talk. Asking for help takes an immense amount of courage, bravery, and strength. And asking for help is, is so important, not only so you can get the help that you need, but because you get to act as an example for others that they are not alone. Because mm -hmm. you are not alone. And I lean on a lot of people in my life. And on this trip, I was sharing with Amber that, you know, I thought of suicide as, month, as recent as a month ago. And she said, you know, please call me next time or lean on me. And I have a group of friends that I have in my phone. I add them to my favorites list <laughs> of, you know, in those times where, you know, I need help or I, I need to talk to someone. I have questions. I go through that list and I, I reach out to those people and that helps. And so thank you for being someone like that for me. Mm -hmm. And thank you for being someone like that for the game quitters community, you know, and I want you guys to know, too. Don't rob us of the gift of showing up for you because that's one of the most beautiful gifts about being a human is in those moments that when you don't ask for support, you're robbing us of the joy that we feel when we give that gift of an ear, of listening, of a phone call, of support. So we're all in this together. And when you guys ask for support, you give us the gift of showing up for you. And then we feel worthy. We feel enough. We feel important and vice versa. And so let's not rob one, one another from the joy of showing up for our fellow humans and our fellow people because we all need people we're pack animals we we need tribe we need community life is hard alone you get depressed when you're alone you get you get suicidal when you when you're alone we're not supposed to be alone it actually goes against your your birthright you're you're the way you're made up as a human being and you that, need touch babies die if they're not touched and loved and that's just the truth we need each other and that's one of the most inspiring things about being here in Tanzania mm -hmm. is they may not have clean water. They may not have clothes. They may not have toilet bowls or seats or, or a any of house. these other things, <laughs> internet, Wi-Fi, electricity sometimes, but they have community. Mm, and mm -hmm. that sense of community, yes. the singing and the dancing and, and the tribe ultimately is why we come here and we see people who are so happy yes. and so full of joy and, and so inspired and, and you know, surviving their their conditions surviving the circumstances that they're in and, and persevering and that's one of the most inspiring things for me when i'm here is, is just that sense of community so that's why they can they can make exactly. it through no houses no roofs no floors no water no electricity because they have each other we can learn a lot from that we can get through anything together we can get through nothing alone and so anyone listening you know if you're going through a tough time or or not a tough time just know that you know we have your back yes. amber's here for you i'm here for you the game quiz community is here for you you don't have to do it alone you're not alone <clears throat> you are seen you are worthy you're loved 
we want to support you and it it takes strength to ask for help it's not a weakness and you don't have to do it alone and so i just want to say thank you so much for being Mm. here thank you for sharing and tell people where they can connect with you find you what do you have coming up amazing thank you so much uh they can they can see me and stalk me at lifepurposecheerleader.com, Life Purpose Cheerleader on Facebook, Life Purpose Cheerleader on Instagram, um, Amber Valdez on Periscope. I'm a big live streamer, Amber Valdez on YouTube. Um, and uh, I just want to let you guys know, you know, you matter, you're worthy, and your purpose matters. And when we do the work on ourselves, our life changes and we become unstoppable and we can change the world. And so, yeah, if you're looking to go on a journey, I have a four-week course coming up um, to turn your crazy into your purpose because I believe those that are crazy enough to change the world do. And um, I'm committed to sharing my crazy tools and practices with you that have allowed me to create a business I love, healthy, happy relationships, a supportive tribe that celebrates me and becoming a world traveler. And if I can do it, you can do it. And so committed to taking uh, students on that journey uh, with me because we're all in this together. So I just want to let you guys know that uh, you have support and there's nothing more important than investing in doing the work on yourself so you can feel worthy, so you can give others permission to do the same by sharing your gifts with the world. So Very well said. Please, please follow Amber. She's one of my best friends yeah. and someone who, who I truly admire. And for all the links that we've mentioned, the books, the resources, to connect with Amber, go to GameCores.com, click on podcast, and the show notes will be there. Thank you for listening. Subscribe, leave us a review, uh, tell a friend, share this on social media. If this can help one person, it was worth it. Yes. So thank you for listening. Any feedback, hit me up on Twitter, at Cameron Dare. Send me an email, cam at gamequarters.com. And I hope that you guys are having an awesome day. We'll talk soon. For full-length episodes of the Game Quitters podcast, be sure to check us out on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash gamequitters. Or visit us online at www.gamequitters.com.